Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The Nightside Project. Finish the day happy, happy with Ethan Millard and Alex Curie on KSL News Radio. All right, welcome to the Nightside Project. I'm Ethan Millard. I've got Alex Curie here with you. Another episode. Thanks so much for grabbing it, downloading it, tuning in. However, the kids are doing. Look, we've shocked uh, people when they get onto their podcasts. Uh, I know the last few back up the last few weeks. They're all what? Somebody <laughs> sat on the refresh. Somebody sat on the post button on accident over at Nightside. I'm, I'm sure it posted something fake. <laughs> no, it's just us. They're probably just rolling on some. Yeah, whoops! By some air check from Dave Pressed, and Debbie uh, or something. <laughs> Pressed enter. <laughs> Pressed enter on it. It just kept going. Uh, yeah, another episode. Hey. Uh, Ethan, our our Banbury Cross revelation from last week is it's just been uh, I've had people yeah. reaching out and being like, and because I actually drove, I actually ended up driving by it, not on purpose. Like I didn't make the lone trip just to just to see because because I think I knew that it was there in Centerville okay. Banbury Cross. If you're not familiar, amazing donut shop in Salt Lake City. And here's the other thing: people come out of the world and go, "Oh, those donuts aren't that good." Yeah. Listen, for a guy who doesn't eat carbs, any donut sounds good, and Banbury Cross is <laughs> the freaking best. And who, so, who says who says Banbury Cross isn't that good? Is it, you know how people are. It's just that like a guy goes, I actually prefer. Some guys like, I, I actually, actually prefer Albertsons. <laughs> Albertsons. No, but it's like you know whatever. We all have our different tastes. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo somebody. Well, I will, but I mean like I'm not gonna. No. I know why people have different tastes. It's just like I, I know when people overdo stuff. I think in and outs overrated. I think uh, so. I get it. And sometimes I'm on the other side of that where people go berserk about something. And you go, I didn't think it was that great, but Bamber Cross is not that for me. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, location in Centerville. I took the picture, finally posted it, and said, "Oh, this is amazing." So yeah. Hey, we're doing this early this week. Uh, yeah, Millard, because you're taking a trip, buddy. Yeah, I am going what to do Disneyland. You, uh, oh, now hold on a minute. You're going to Disney? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess you got money coming out of the. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I actually saw this button earlier, and I was like, Poppy, "We haven't used this jet. in a long time." Let's take the jet to. Disneyland. Honestly, Disney is. It's always been expensive, but like right now is like a weird. It's like surge pricing for for Uber, but for humans well, and 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 real life. Oh, do you have? You a, could you give me the Monte Cristo sandwich? It's fried. So I mean, let that's me tell you something. so let ridiculous. Me say, let me How much you. is a ticket to go to Disney, though? You told me last week. Oh, what was well, it? Like a like a thousand dollars. It is. No, it's not that much. No, but I mean, like to get in, it's like two hundred bucks, isn't it? A day. Yeah, when you're taking a, one when you're park, a whole family. 
you got to plan for it, right? We had to plan for this expense. But I'll tell you what, though. So they're doing this new thing where it's called Genie Plus, where you can pay an extra $20 to get um, ahead of the line on a certain number of rides. You said Genie but Plus? Did you say Genie Plus? Genie Plus. Yeah, you're going to learn all about this. Mm, Genie Plus, dear. <laughs> Put me down for Genie, but not the regular Genie. Put me down for Genie, Genie Plus. What the heck does Genie Plus mean? What what does Genie Plus even freaking mean, man, at Disney? So basically it's it's a way to manage the lines, okay? So you can just go and you can can wait standby, right? You can just kind of ride up the line, just live with the line, right? Mm -hmm. Like a poor. Like a poor. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can pay 20 bucks per person per day. Oh, my god! And you basically get... It, you basically get like a fast pass. You basically like it's because the fast passes aren't thing. because the, pa- the, the fast passes aren't really a thing. Fast pass. yeah, yeah. If yeah. you want to get a headline, you got to pay twenty bucks per day, and then um, per person, and then on top of that, the most popular rides, and this includes Rise of the Resistance and the Cars Land ride, yeah. like with the cars, yep. and the Spider Man ride, which I didn't know existed until this week. Um, those are an extra twenty, a different twenty dollars. So you can't buy the Genie Plus and get on those rides. If you want to ride those rides, you got to pay an extra twenty. Oh my gosh! So it would be an extra get- for your family. It'd be an extra two hundred dollars a day to get the double Genie Plus pass. That's exactly right. So we're not doing it. Oh, you're not going to do it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you can, you can, you can stop the okay. music. Was- <laughs> we're standing in line with the rest of the homeless people. <laughs> the pores. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're terrible. And, well, but 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 so- I mean, like, right, here's my thing though about your trip, because I actually am. I'm actually wondering how you're going to do this because you have teenagers now, and yeah. and teenagers, I feel like, are not. In, uh, your teenagers in particular are not interested at all in Disneyland, or are they? Are they well, the type of like, yeah, no, 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 I, I love this place still, or something? I don't know. No, They've they been be the runner. I, look, they're going to have a fun time, right? They're going to have a fun time because they're not at home, right? <laughs> they're going to have a fun time. But uh, let me tell you something, because I got a bone to pick with my kids, because they, they've been messing with me. What do you mean? So they've been running down Disney for years. Yeah, Mickey Mouse is stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm like, all right, well, you know. My recollection is that in- you have one son who made uh, some inappropriate pictures of uh, Mickey. Not inappropriate, but <laughs> it wasn't inappropriate, <laughs> but it was more like a – No, no, they, they were scary. Like it's kind of like Pablo Picasso, uh, <laughs> like kind of freaky version of Mickey, you know. I mean, he's was, a bla- I remember- hey, he's a blessed artist, Ethan. I'm just saying yes. yeah, you can't show it to little kids because they'll go, Mommy, what happened to the mouse? Yeah, mm-hmm. And I will say this. So I'll post this on Twitter so people can see it. Okay. Ethan Millard KSL. Mm. But when he first showed me the picture, I was startled. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to think. Oh, the Mickey, really the, the creepy Mickey picture. You here. saw it. Yeah. You yeah. yeah I'm, and I was like, oh my. Oof. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so yeah, they've been running down Disneyland and I thought, you know, but I love Disneyland, right? I love Disneyland. But I thought, well, I guess we're not probably not going to go to Disneyland again. Maybe to, maybe when I have grandkids, right? I'd kind of. So, but last year at some point in the summer, we were having this conversation, and they all of a sudden they were like, "No, man, we love Disneyland. We love Disneyland. I just make fun of Mickey Mouse sometimes. Ooh, we love Disneyland." I'm like, "Oh, all right, okay." So we plan this whole thing, and I roll it out. I'm like, "Hey, guess what we're gonna do for Christmas? Instead of doing presents, we're gonna do Disneyland." And they're like, "Oh, really? Disneyland, Dad?" <laughs> oh, so now, now they got. So now they got. Now it. they're too cool for. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's because you know, it's because it was like it's because you actually they know kids know that when you make the purchase. And you're on board with it. It's a, it actually it literally becomes less cool. It's like, eh, it dad, it. it's no, because it, if you it, say no, they 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 want to keep pushing it. But then as soon as you say yeah, then they go, eh, it's actually kind of dumb. It, 
and it was probably it was probably within two months of them insisting, no, we love Disneyland, right? Within two months, I had hotel tickets, Disney tickets, everything lined up. I was like, hey, we're doing this, and like all of a sudden, they're like, oh, uh, this, uh, I uh, we're not gonna have that much fun. Ugh. But let me tell you something. They, they, the they aren't gonna laugh. have that much fun. No, here's the thing. I got the last laugh. So. Both of my sons uh-huh. have a job now, right? They're working as a hall. What do they do? At the oh, at the schools, school. yeah. That's which is a job that I once had. Yeah, at Jackson Boy. Jackson Elementary. Way to, te- way to teach I'd him how to uh, aim high, there, buddy. Come on. Well, you know, what's the pay on something like do that? Do some work. Like what? What should a what should a fourteen year old be earning in twenty twenty two? I'm actually not sure what the pay is, but can <laughs> I say this? Because they were a state employee. Oh, they you got get- paid through the whole pandemic. Oh, they did. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean they got paid? Like, <laughs> your kids, your kids are state employees. Yeah. Do they work four so tens? Like, what is the deal? So <laughs> they get so Fridays they, off. So when they, so when we went to shut down, all the schools were closed. You remember this back in the day? I think this is. They a, just kept getting. They just kept. Okay, getting paid. hold on a this minute. They aren't salaried. <laughs> Why on earth are they? Like, what are we talking about? Is it because it was like a, it was like a relief thing? I get doing that for somebody. I get for I get doing that for I get doing that for people who you know it's like hey this is a, an extra source of income, like the kids who are the fourteen year olds who the whole point is you need to work to get some money. This is a real problem. This needs to be exposed. Utah paying kids you know not to doesn't. do a thing. I'm telling. I'm I'm whistleblowing this whole thing. If there's money involved. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just I'll just tell them. I'll just tell them the money, the family needed the money. I'll tell them my kids paid the mortgage. I just think it, <laughs> I just think it's funny that uh, anyway, we're going down the rabbit hole here. Either way, they've got jobs. They've got jobs that they don't do anything so for. They still get jobs. paid for. And yeah. So I said this. I said this. Hey, guess what? I've already covered the tickets, to the hotel, and everything. If we sit down for a family meal, I'll pay for it. Everything else is coming out of your. Which pocket. is what. Like uh, if they want to get if they want to get the churro on their own, mm-hmm. if they yep, want to get that balloon, own. the clear balloon that has the color, the colored Mickey Mouse ears inside, mm-hmm. that's also yep. uh, out of their own pocket. They're on their own. They're on their own. Will they will they use their own money for stuff? My kids do the thing yeah. where they go, well, now that you said it's my money, I don't actually like anything. Or yeah. they or they spend it on the dumbest crap. I could see both of your kids. Like le- walking away and then coming back with three churros a piece and go. There's my twenty. There's my thirty three dollars. There it is. Oh, thirty three dollars for a churro? No, for, for three, three for three churros. Yeah, Sign I get. Me up. Oh, I mean, how much is a dang churro? I don't. I don't know. Disney you know, I'll, churro. I'll, I'll, know, I'll know by price. I'll know tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll know. Okay. Uh, Disney just revealed its brand new celebration churro. Oh, you can grab it. You can grab the celebration <laughs> churro at Disneyland for only seven dollars. You can for an extra dollar, for an extra dollar, you get the dipping sauce. What? Okay. Yeah. Uh, look for the trail cart yeah, in front but, of Sleeping Beauty's castle. <laughs> but the dipping sauce is just something else for the for the seagull to stick its beak into. Oh, uh, I definitely. We were in Finland one time, and uh, it was on a cruise, and definitely a person bought a huge ice cream cone, and this uh, seagull came by their move was it was on a pier and it wasn't us Mm -hmm. it wasn't in our group uh because these people had a giant ice cream cone and these seagulls have been you know they know they know what's going on yeah they didn't try to steal it from her or anything all they did was knock it straight out of her hand into the water 
Didn't try to go after it. <laughs> it just went, knocked it straight out of her hand because it fell straight into the water off the pier. Because it's startling when something just kind of knocks your yeah. hand. You, your immediate reaction is to let go. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what they do. They just want you to drop it. I've seen the seagulls, then they, man. Then, one, then they know one of them's going to get. All right, so you're going to Disneyland. Good for you. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm going to make my kids be, pay for it. Should be but, should be uh, really really good. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. So um, if anyone wants to, if anyone wants my television, you should know that uh, I've got two pitbull mixes. <laughs> oh yeah, at the house. What and, are they? So you guys probably have house sitters then because your dogs are going to be here. Uh, Jack and Judy. Yeah, Jack and Judy are they, still alive. Good for them. Yeah, surprised they they haven't, I'm surprised they haven't eaten each other. You got I'll the worst what. dogs, by the way. Well, they're good for a couple of things. I know that they've probably grown on you, but I can't I can't believe that Emily really likes those dogs anymore. Well Ah, uh, see. Mm-hmm. You know, we got them for the kids. I've I've never really been I like dogs, but I like other people's dogs. Yeah. Um, so I've never been into dogs, but I'll tell you what, man. When they come running at you barking, you're going to pee your pants. And so when you've got to leave your kids home at night for various things, feels pretty good. Yeah, it's a it's a startling situation. It feels pretty good knowing that Jack and Judy are there yeah. to, you know, to regulate. It's just the, the the problem is you've got to regulate that. So you know you've always got to be sure of what doors open, what gates open. You know you right. got to kind yeah, of yeah. monitor that, and and that that can. But you know you make that part of your routine, and and you're going to be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. You can have look, Alex. I'm just saying you can you can have killer dogs and and it would still work. Yeah. So who's letting them out to poo though? Oh, those go in the house. That's <laughs> oh, terrible. All right, perfect. That's good. Now it's your house, man. You don't have to worry about it. So you said you had a couple things to, well, for me today. I'll be at Disneyland. You said I'll you had a couple Disneyland. things for me today. Is that uh, is that? Oh, we didn't want to. We didn't want to only talk about Disneyland. No, no, no. This, no but uh, that's episode. what I'm saying. Is the couple things was that your couple of boys are spending their own money at Disneyland? Because yeah, I'm going to go ahead. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and flush it's, this uh, episode if that's what we're doing. <laughs> and you know what else is when we get there? I'm just going to say, all right, see you guys tonight. <clears throat> Let them go. Yeah. So um, no, I wanted to share with you this story that I saw on Twitter. So there's this guy that I follow on Twitter. His name's David Zabinski, mm-hmm. and he does these big long threads of interesting things and interesting moments, right? And so he had this one on on uh, this story in Australia where um, they uh, and I, I thought it was so phenomenal. So after World War after World War Two. All of these Australian soldiers came back, or maybe it was after World War One. All these Australian soldiers came back, and the government was faced with this uh, this problem of what to do with all these soldiers. They needed jobs for them, right? Yeah. They needed something to do. Yep. So they made all this land available. They said, "Hey, all you veterans, all this land's available to you. You can have it. You can farm it." And they were going to stimulate the economy, give these guys something to do. So they all go out and they start farming wheat, right? Well, their wheat just gets demolished by. What do you think in Australia would demolish the wheat crop? Oh, uh, the kangaroos, the koala bears. No, good, good guess. But the you poisonous know snakes, the, the poisonous snakes, the poisonous the spiders. Oh yeah, yeah. The emus would okay. come through. The emus, are these giant birds, they come through in flocks and eat all the wheat down to, just all the way down to the ground. Well, they're right? fat all birds. The they're big birds. Those are big, big, big birds. Big, 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 big. And they're nasty birds. too. You know the 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 cassowaries and the emus and the ostriches they have dinosaur claws like they yeah. will murder you. So 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 yeah so yeah this is after World War One is in the 30s so I'm going to switch over here. So at that point by uh, 1932 the government decides we got to do something about this. They literally 
not literally, but they figuratively declare war on the emus. So what they did is the Australian Minister start of wet, Defense. They start setting. Uh, they start setting wheat traps for these uh, for these emus. Did they almost go extinct or something? Or what did they do to them? No, 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 no. How'd no, they no, get no, them? No, 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 no. You got, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. You can't get out in front of it because you don't know where this is going. Oh. Right? This is going to surprise you. That's the point of Twitter. It's going to surprise you. I thought you, you right? just said big uh, mouse, mouse traps, big emu traps. So the Minister of Defense assigns Major GPW Meredith of the Royal Australian Artillery to lead a small army into Western Australia with 10,000 rounds of ammunition oh my and gosh. machine guns. Oh, boy. And what they were going to do is they were going to go find these flocks and just shoot them, right? So what? it's they the same thing fly. that uh, – it's the same thing that uh, – that, that the, remember Dance with Wolves? You know, you know when they come over that, that ridge and the white man had already rolled through and murdered all and the, the all buffalo the... for just their pelts, nothing else? That's what, that's what they had in mind, mm. right? That's what they had in Mow mind. Mow these things so, down. So listen to this. From November 2nd to November 8th, so that is a – what, six-day period, Major Meredith and his men fired 2,500 rounds of ammunition towards thousands and thousands of emus. Oh, how? Those wow. 2,500 rounds. Do you know how many emus they killed with 2,500 rounds? Seven. 200. So that's bad. That's a bad ratio. It's really bad. It's 12.5 <laughs> bullets for every emu. So it, now, really bad because ratio. here's the thing, they have small heads. You know, so like no. that's good. <laughs> sni- that's shots. really bad sniper practice, you know? <laughs> so you got to go for They're the body. Don't shoot its uh, it neck. Was, don't shoot its head. You, those are too small. Of uh, go for the go for center mass on that on that emu. I mean that's a that's a lesson for life, right? Here's what happened: is basically almost immediately in a move that I don't think anyone would think from an emu. Almost immediately, emus realized what was happening. So what they did is they split up into countless small. Packs, they didn't, Ethan. Forced- they did not realize what was happening. They for that forced the Australians to spend more time searching for birds, right? <laughs> it also cut down. They didn't have any large flocks to target. They could only go after them a few at a time. And what happened was, is that each pack would have one emu set aside to um, to watch for the soldiers while the others grazed, right? And so they split into small groups with one emu. And they did this. I mean, this was a six-day period, right, where one emu would stand there six feet tall, watching out for the soldiers, alert everyone else. They could scatter even further, making them basically impossible targets. They couldn't get close to them. They couldn't get good shots on them. And they weren't able to do it. So what they did is they shut down the whole project, but... They left all the ammunition behind. <laughs> and over and they, the next couple of decades, the, uh, you know, the, the, the actual farmers who were, you know, veterans, over the next couple of, of decades, the veterans took the ammo that the army had left behind in the war on emus, and they went ahead and turned emus into an endangered species. Oh, okay, so what they did so was, they got that, the that's the right done. way to do it. You, you got to chip away. You can't, you can't make it like a, one of those mobile games where they're all... Can you mow down this entire uh, army of tiny elephants with your uh, with what with with your laser guns? Like, yeah, that's not that's not but how you I, do it. But I think it's phenomenal because when they rolled up, the emus were in these huge flocks. Yeah, and almost immediately they split into small groups with a lookout for each group, and they just became impossible to hunt. So, has anybody brought up the emu genocide of the nineteenth or the twentieth century? 
No one's ever brought it up until now. I had never heard of it. I had never heard of it. The great emu genocide. Mm-hmm. I think you're correct to use the word genocide. <laughs> the, the, the great emu genocide. And mm-hmm. and nobody wants to talk about it because there's a bunch of emu uh, genocide deniers out there, too. I mean, there's some people who tweet it out, and they get, in, they get, they get themselves in trouble, man. Yeah, mostly. Big time. Mostly in Australia. They're yeah, mostly in Australia. Yeah. So, but. Uh, M- right. Millard, so I got a Mac- go. I got a McDonald's story for you. Uh, so they're trying to they're trying to get people into the whole. Oh, I hack. So what they're they're calling these menu hacks. Okay, they they're adding these things uh, to the menu uh, to try to get people to try to get people to you know go through and kind of get this weird one off item, right? Uh, there is a limited, me- there's limited time menu items such as the hash brown McMuffin, which is a sausage McMuffin with a hash brown on it. Okay. A crunchy mm-hmm. double. These are McDonald's items now. A crunchy okay. double, which, which is, uh, a six piece chicken McNugget combined with barbecue sauce on a double cheeseburger. Oh, dang. Yes. Would you go for that? Uh, no, but I would go for this next one. And okay. I think because I, I, I I'm not I'm not I'm not totally great on mixing the chicken and the beef. No, and and but I think the crunch from the outside of the nugget is going to be important in this one. But Ethan, this is the one you're going to want: the surf and turf. You ready for this? <laughs> Fileo okay. fish and the quarter pounder. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, if that one's not classy enough for you, the land, air, and sea, which is the Big Mac, McChicken, and Fileo fish. <laughs> <laughs> These are all things you can get right now. He's like, get get a. The thing is, is you do the double filet fish, which is something yeah. that I, you're the only person on the planet that I've ever actually met who's gotten it. Periodically, you'll see the sign, almost mm-hmm. tempting, like almost joking with you, like, "Hey, the double, the double hey. uh, filet fish is here," Let which is a fried piece of fish with a, a piece of American cheese on it. Two pieces but of you, American cheese. But you got to understand this though. It actually is one of the best sandwiches. The double filet is one of the best sandwiches McDonald's. No, and I, I remember, I, I, this is no joke, I actually remember the first time I ever had it. Okay. The Surf I and do. Turf is exclusive to, to the McDonald's app. If you go through the drive through and ask for the Surf and Turf, you will, you'll, you'll, no, you'll get a free uh, medium fry and soft drink. This actually sounds worth it. Actually sounds gonna, worth it. You think you do it? No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. McDonald's app. So you have to order it by. You got to order it by. uh, You got to order it by the. You know, by its name. So you got to walk up and go, hey, give me the crunchy double. Hey, give me the surf and turf. Mm -hmm. And the surf and turf is interesting because it's got. It's kind of like the Big Mac because that bottom bun of the filet fish. Uh. Is actually oh my gosh the ba- the beef patty with the filet fish kind of looks and the tartar sauce looks a little unhinged because you got ketchup and mustard with the tartar sauce that's not good you can't yeah. do that you got to go one so? or the other no oh, the tart no tartar I think tartar sauce, sauce is, sauce is a standalone mustard. if you had if you swirled if you swirled a French fry no. through tartar sauce ketchup and mustard you would like it no not doing it no the mustard because ketchup is is a pretty benign thing to mix with like a cream sauce like a tartar. But mustard, it gets in there, and, and it kind of, and I'm a mustard guy, so you, you know what mustard. Well but you're not like going to eat mustard. Thing. There's no Ethan. There's no world where mustard and fish go together. There's no world where the mustard and fish go together. 
So no, but it. if you think about the sauce, but if you think about the sauce, right? Mixing it with the sauce, because look, you have mustard in, uh, in mustard mayonnaise. Yeah. What do you think is tartar sauce? Tartar sauce is mayonnaise, right? It's mayonnaise and like a, a relishy whatever. It's mayonnaise and pickles and tartar. <laughs> yeah, it's cream of tartar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Hey, uh, I'm going to play some music, and I assume you have a Zen headline. If you don't, I do. Oh, do you? Well, yeah. let's hear yours. Let's well, hear yours. okay, so. I've done the last two. You have done the last two? Okay, so uh, i got to go back over to my page here. And if you'll forgive me, because I, this is, unfortunately, this is kind of a, uh, uh, this is a, this is a little bit of a sports story. Sorry. Uh, but these two college twin sisters, Haley and Hannah Cavender, both go to Fresno State, and uh, they're basketball players, and they're like okay basketball players. They're not like, you know, I mean, they're women's basketball players that are, they're not like all American going to get drafted. Uh, right. From what I understand from this story, but these are two these are two girls who are making history because the Cavender twins are massive on social media, and they are they are set to make a million dollars each this year with their name image likeness deal. The first, wow. to, the first to have, uh, to uh, to have thought to have been the uh, thought to have been the only first uh, two that are that are now millionaire uh, female athletes in, in the college ranks. You know, based wow. on their based on their reputation of it. So it's so they've got a massive social media following. And I'll tell you right now too, uh, they have. So we've been we've been approached before about taking on athletes from BYU or Utah or whatever. And sometimes their agents will come to us and say, "Hey, but they have a hundred. They have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. They have uh, sixty-eight thousand followers on Instagram, which eclipses, you know, uh, the KSL News Radio Instagram page, right? <laughs> which, yeah. So you think about like it, you know, coverage. It's actually worth jumping in on somebody who is a big-time uh, social media person. So, so you're going to partner up with anyone? You're going to jump on anyone? Oh, we can't afford any of this. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Can't afford any of these people, but yeah, they're 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 college athletes that are really good at basketball, but they've become insane. So they're getting money. They're getting money from the WWE, Champ Sports, who's one of my former employers, East Bay, also related to to Champs uh, Sports, uh, Boost Mobile. They're all throwing money at these twins. They're all throwing money at these twins, and they're and they're. Uh, I'm I'm happy for them. And the old That's rules cool. were, and guess what? This isn't even paying these. This isn't even paying these athletes for. It's not pay to play. It's because they have a they have a value outside of their uh, outside yes, of their basketball right. skill. And previously, the yeah. NCAA was like, "How dare you? They you're a you're you. a student athlete." And I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in, Ethan, where they're like, "Oh, you have to say the word student before athlete. You can't say athlete. You got to say student athlete." I'm like, well, "Who are we kidding here? Come on, man." So uh, there's your sign headline for the day. You got well, the Cavender awesome. twins, who are uh, massive on uh, social media, and they are now cajillionaires. Uh, all right, that's all Good I need to know. Now I'm I'm like I I used to be like this isn't right. You know what I mean? I've totally turned I've totally turned around on it. You know I I think that I think that knowing what the business is because we'll say it's not a business. Uh. The the guys who it's a business for will say this is not a business. These are amateur athletes. 
says the you know millionaire coach, says the millionaire TV executive, says the NCAA, uh, you know, board of, of trustees, yeah, but, all this stuff. And those guys, those, these are guys thing, making though. tons of money off of these players. But those guys are still going to make tons of money. Like it doesn't change things for them. Of course not. But um, they think it but, does. They think that if it, oh, this is taken away from their their, their they're cut. Still, yeah. They're like, still it's not, not. They're, they're, they're still not going to have to pay these players. Uh, what I'm interested in seeing is which schools are going to be successful by being able to incorporate these quote-unquote business opportunities yeah. Yeah. and through the booster networks and things like that and really attract. Because if you've got, I mean, if you've got a school with a great coach, right, because what, what are the things that would attract an athlete to a school? track uh, track record of of success right a coach that you really click with or playing style that matches yours mm-hmm. um right there are any number of things that are on that side of the ball that would attract an athlete to a program what if you add in hey everyone here is making more money yeah. than the other schools yeah no that's well, how that's that's, a, a, that's what people that, that that's the thing now is that uh, the, that that's a, a both a criticism and a benefit i think is to be well, able to go, well, the, these athletes, you know only, what they're doing. These schools are just rolling up and saying you can make a bunch of money on NIL if you come here. But why, but why not? But why not say it? If these kids are worth it. If these kids, well, I mean, I, yeah, their value is there. Obviously, that's the case. But I, I, think, in that, I think in that situation, um, I, I think we'll lose – I think we'll lose a lot in college athletics because what are we losing? We'll see a we'll see a, a separation of what? We'll just see a separation of what? Well, if 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 the elite athletes all go to the same schools only, I mean, we'll just they, they already do. They already do. Here's the thing no, too. But but, but there's they're, a they're like, there's they have found that there's a lot of these schools that are smaller that are actually now able to have a little bit more of a of a chance to get higher level athletes because of those nil deals. Deion Sanders but, is a is an FCS level coach. He has two five star recruits playing for him this year, guys who would never previously go to a smaller school because they're able to say, "Hey, come here, uh, make some money on top of of what you're doing football wise. You're still going to get looked at." I mean, so it, I, I don't know. That's something I, that I, would I have never happened with the previous system, which is just I see, the rich getting I see richer. Your point. I see your point for sure. I see your point for sure. But if a if a program is going to look if a program is going to look at this as a way to turn around if a school is going to look at this as a way to turn around for their football program, yeah. what are they going to need? They're going to need a large economic base around the school. They're going to need a lot of wealthy people around the school to make this happen. And but those are going to already be where the successful schools are. You're already going to have those established networks. And so I, I, I have a hard time believing that a smaller school with no program in an area with just doesn't have a lot of success. In the past, they could recruit. They could bring in. They it could takes, build it, it takes like a couple got, of, It takes a couple of successful uh, alumni, which every school has, who will just go, hey, we want you to be, we want to be a part of this, and we're going to pay these players. We think we're going to give back that but way. You need, but you need more. You need more than that. And you need more than I think this actually evens the playing field a little bit more. Because it's not like Alabama. It's not like Alabama is a place that is looked at as some sort of a financial, you know, like oh, they're just going to have money pouring in. Now they do because they they have donors that are throwing a ton of money at that because football's life there. But so do these other smaller schools now. I don't think that's what we'll find. You got to have you got to have decamillionaire and billionaire boosters to be able to do this. And when you look at when you look at a. yeah, you do. No, no, no. It's it's not deck I mean, a billionaire. Like you, you l- listen. So Built Bar did the whole thing with BYU this year, right? And I was trying to crunch the numbers in my head, just like as a rough thing. So they're basically paying the 
walk-on guys a scholarship. Every walk-on player is now a scholarship player because they get built bar money. And if you're already on scholarship, then you get extra money. It's like a cash payout basically from 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 built bar for being a brand ambassador. So 130 guys, so 130, and I think that for the year it was like seven or eight thousand or maybe ten thousand dollars that we that, that that we maybe it was like four thousand dollars a semester that we estimated. And I think that it came out to like some some number like maybe three hundred eighty thousand dollars or something like that. And I thought, yeah, well, and, that's, which is that's a massive for now. which is a massive write off for, for a what? company who basically got the best uh, advertising ever. Uh, three hundred eighty thousand dollars is a is a total write off because you're giving it to you know as like a uh, you know as a donation essentially and, and to a to a non or to a nonprofit Look, school. That, that's where it is. That's where it is now. That's where it is now. We're in year one. You give it another five, ten years, and it's we're going to be. They're going to be having to rope wait. in Ryan Smith. I can't wait. They're going to have to be roping in Ryan Smith as if they haven't already. And, as if they haven't and, already. I think and, that they and have. This is, and this is what I'm talking about: is you know the schools that are already successful, they already have money around them. Yeah. They'll be the ones that are cutting the stuff. Oh, uh, these schools. These schools the are such sellouts, dude. Flavors. These schools have become such sellouts. Anyway, this portion of the Nightside Project brought to you by ED. I'm just saying, ED medication. I'm not saying these players shouldn't be paid. I think they should be paid. What I'm saying is, is that we're going to see the further kind of stratification of this process because there are going to be a lot of communities that are left behind. Stratification. It's fake. It's a fake. That's what I you mean, learn. Uh, That's what you learn in your uh, financial job. It's not a real thing. Uh, I mean, uh, look, stratification. Look, it, it, but but when you think about it, like what about a school that's what about a school that's successful Ethan, in football this is wild doesn't have a billionaire? This is wild to me checks. because you're the guy who usually stands up for the athlete who's being taken advantage of, and now you're going, I don't know, man, getting this money back to you, keep it in the pockets of the billionaires, man. No, 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 that's, that's what you're saying. What I'm, saying. I'm I'm saying this is not going to create a level playing field. Money's going to continue to flow where there already is money. There. There's the already not go where the money field. already is. All right, Millard. You're, I mean, you you would you would have to basically to 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 turn around a football program. You wouldn't have to find the right coach. You would have to find a money base, and that is a very very different kind of thing. Because it used to be all about the coach, right? The coach could turn your program around, start recruiting things like that, get out there, hustle, bring the players in. Now you got to have an economic base. If you don't have an economic base, and and you know what's going to happen is schools that. Schools that have good programs with no economic base, they're going to lose their programs. They're not going to be as good because they can just get poached by a school that has boosters willing to just write checks. So, Ethan, I came up with a concept of how to lock out the shows. Uh, And that's just playing music that is straight out of the FM uh, catalogs. Of course, here in the building we have FM 100.3 and we have the Arrow 103.5. And so I'm just going to pick a song (laughs) out of those catalogs. And I just I clicked on the one at the very top. So this is how we're gonna get out of the show today. Oh yeah, classic. All right, Millard, we'll be back again next week, uh, or will we? Because you're gonna be doing uh, the thing. How long are you guys in Disneyland? You guys got the ten day pass? Is that what you guys did? No, no, no. <laughs> we're just a couple days. Okay. Uh, for Ethan Millard, I'm Alex Keery. Uh, have fun, safe travels, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. I'm talking to you, Ethan. Jeez. I said thanks. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> Sharona's playing.
a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.